We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Cheney Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. Not going to do another update in our lives. We did that on the offensive podcast. I hope those of you who let me commiserate, who let me bitch about the Wisconsin football team getting COVID and my hopes and dreams crashing and burning. Well, stay tuned to listen to us break down the New York Giants football defense, a defense that went up against Carson Wentz and a banged up Eagles offense. Had a little bit of a rough start in their zone defense as Wentz chewed a little bit up through it, through that awesome velocity that he has on some of his passes that really cuts up a lot of zone passes. And again, Wentz will show you that, and then he'll show you just some boneheaded plays. Um, Who knows what to make of him as a prospect at this point in his career and his trajectory. But then again, like we've seen in past weeks, some really clever play calls by Patrick Graham, some really great adjustments to stop stop an offense from continuing to do what it's doing and find and force them to find new ways to beat you yes at the end of the game they gave up two long drives um to to really lose the game ultimately i have less of a gripe there with patrick graham more so with some individual players and just this fair the sheer fact of the matter the giants don't have anyone who can consistently win a one-on-one rep and pass uh, as a pass rusher they just simply don't marcus golden was their best guy at that and he's been traded um, for obvious reasons, they have to, you know, Nick and I were talking about this before the podcast. It's so funny. You watch the All-22, and you'll see guys like Devontae Downs lined up as the edge. You'll see guys like Leonard Williams lined up as an edge rusher. This is 
the type of hand that Patrick Graham is working with. This is what Dave Gettleman gave him. I mean, he's poured the past three first-round picks into the offense, and then the Hernandez pick as well. Um, did a great job signing Bradbury Martinez, you guys will talk into, but this defense still needs a lot of pieces for Graham to really hit his stride, but considering what he's had to work with, he has shown me everything I need to see that this guy's a long-term answer defensive coordinator. That's ultimately what I take away every time I watch this team on All-22. But that's where I wanted to start. Where do you want to start with what you saw in the All-22 on the defensive side of the ball, Nick? I know I touched on it last podcast, but since you already brought up that those two drives where the Giants kind of gave up the two touchdowns to allow the Philadelphia Eagles to win. If you go back and you look at the beginning of those drives on the first, the first and 10 with 6-10 left, Carson Wentz gets nailed by Logan Ryan. I love the fact that Patrick Graham brought some blitzes in this game. He was using exotic blitzes, bringing linebackers, bringing cornerbacks, disguising it very well. And on that play... Logan Ryan nails Carson Wentz, and then Wentz throws the ball, and Nate Ebner gets his hand on it. It's looked like everything's going the Giants' way. The next play, B.J. Hill does an excellent job winning a one-on-one and sacking Carson Wentz. That was a second and 10. That would have been a third and 15. The Giants, I mean, <laughs> we've seen the Giants blow those kind of situations, but all the momentum for the Giants. But Ryan Lewis gets called with a play that he didn't need to do at all. It was a defensive hold. He absolutely had no reason to do it because Wentz was basically already down on the ground. Giants get called, and then after that, it took like three plays for the Philadelphia Eagles to drive down the field. The first and 10 with 540 left in the game where Carson Wentz throws a 59-yard ball, which was just beautiful. Teardrop over Ryan Lewis, who was... Trapped in coverage there. He just did a poor job staying in phase with Hightower run right past him. It was a mistake by him. He had two bad reps right in a row there for Ryan Lewis. And honestly, you watch this game, Dan, and I think you would agree with me. There were so many little things towards the end of this game that I said, if that happened differently, the Giants win this game. And every single one of those things happened in the Eagles' favor. And that's yeah. a product of the Giants being a bad football team. It's also a product of a little luck here and there. But the Giants were also just incredibly undisciplined down the stretch. Would they have six or seven penalties in the last six minutes of the game? Yeah, it's ultimately the, – the, the, and that's something you don't – that's something a little bit more alarming because you haven't seen it as much with the Joe Judge teams, the penalties being the major factor. Obviously, the special teams one was huge. And like you said, they had multiple penalties down the stretch that really – altered the game including the key one where was the bj hill sack that turns a third and 15 into an auto first down which is just or uh, the penalty on the bj hill sack i should say that does that and like you said part of the reason they lost this game is just the little things i mean ultimately if the giants play this route a little bit differently and i see what lewis is trying to do here but he's not the type of guy that has the kind of recovery speed to to get caught peaking here and it's clear and obvious by this play but ultimately if they do keep everything in front of them on this drive i do think the eagles will kind of run out of time to win this game because if they make them grind out a long scoring drive here instead of getting down the field as fast as they did and another two or three minutes of clock is chewed up I think the Giants can win this football game in another way by just churning the clock out. And so there's those little things that just add up. And like you said, it's bad football teams tend to do bad things that lead to bad outcomes. And that was the case for this team last year. They've had a new change in coaching staff, but they've also had not enough personnel upgrades and a lot of unfortunate injuries to their personnel from Saquon Barkley to Xavier McKinney, a guy who could really be making an incredible impact on the season. So remember with McKinney, one thing that's really important to note, he was a cookie cut 
perfect fit for what Patrick Graham likes to do on defense. He split 33% of his snaps in the box last year for Alabama. He played 33% in the deep half where he, I think he would have made his biggest impact with the Giants. And then he played another 33% in the slot. And Nick Saban called him the quarterback of the defense. You put a guy like him with his smarts alongside uh, Blake Martinez, a guy with his smarts, and then you have him kind of work that communication with a really savvy corner like James Bradbury in the secondary. He could have made night and day difference for this defense. But again, they've had a lot of injuries at key to key players we thought could be core, core box. I mean, obviously, Saquon Barkley, you've talked about this changes the way uh, defenses have to prepare against you and have to play you. And remember, some things that people don't realize about Barkley is this. He was a really good broken play player for Jones last year in the passing game before the injury, especially before he went down with the injury. So you lose that too. And so a team that ultimately didn't have the depth at personnel to lose really anyone ended up losing enough players and 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 kind of you see that in a game like this where they kind of wear down on defense a lot in the second half of games yeah and i want to uh, go back to that one play the first and 10 in the fourth quarter 540 on this play this is a product of doug peterson doing film work this is a product of the eagles kind of out scheming the giants here and i think we saw this all throughout the game sadly what did the Eagles do throughout the game? They hit the Giants with so many spacing concepts, so many underneath concepts that was going to manipulate the zone coverage of what the Giants wanted to do. The Giants like to run a lot of three high, a lot of kind of cover three type of concepts with a lot of wrinkles in them to kind of throw off the offense. So what did the Eagles do? They lined up three by one sets, two by two sets, things like that with a tight end, and they would release three curls to flood a zone with two defenders put defenders into conflict get five six yards here and there and on that play on that first and ten what happens is the eagles are in a two by two set carson wentz is in shotgun and they figure that the giants are going to do their zone coverage that patrick graham likes to use both of the players from to the boundary side which is ryan lewis's side release vertical okay that's important so the number two the inside receiver runs a seam so what carson wentz does similar to what daniel jones did and we talked about on the last podcast is he holds the middle of the field safety in place by viewing the two by two set by going to the field side and looking at both those receivers so that middle of the field safety julian love has to respect carson wentz's eyes he's reading his eyes and he's flowing now to the field but this creates a two-on-one situation for Ryan Lewis. Now, Ryan Lewis, if you watch Ryan Lewis, he's in good coverage initially on John Hightower, but he sees that seam, he sees him cross the linebacker, and he sees, oh no, he's past the void. I need to pay attention to that number two receiver. So he just, for a second, kind of drifts the way he's going inside towards that number two. And by that point, Carson Wentz releases the football And now John Hightower is running past him. So that's kind of an excellent scheme, an excellent play call to attack Patrick Graham's defense. And what kind of concerns me, I guess, is this is on film now. And what did we say last week with with the Washington football team? Yeah, Kyle Allen didn't do all that great, but what did they hit the Giants with a lot early on? Quick curls, a lot of spacing concepts, move the football, period, or methodically kind of down the field. I think teams are going to really kind of employ this next week and then the weeks to come against the Giants where they're going to attack this this uh, three high cover three kind of look with routes like this and really put these outside cornerbacks into conflict, specifically Ryan Lewis, because you don't really want to do this against James Bradbury as much. Yeah, you definitely don't want to do this against James Bradbury, who continues to really stand out for the New York Giants as ultimately what could end up being one of their best free agent signing classes and this is you know you don't this is not there's not too many spots to find positive things to say about this management regime so 
when there are, you got to call them out and you got to accept them and you got to take advantage and be happy about it. You sh- every Giant fan who listens to this podcast should be happy about the free agent class that they brought in this offseason because ultimately it's starting to shape up like the free agent class. I want to compare it more not so to the big time one, the 2005 one that included Plaxico Burris, Kareem McKenzie, the biggest steal in free agent history for this franchise, and Antonio Pierce. But I want to compare it more to the one where they kind of retooled that defense before the 2016 run, where they brought in Snacks Harrison, where they brought in Janoris Jenkins, and where they brought in Olivier Vernon. I hope it doesn't flame out like that one did, but I think ultimately they're kind of making that kind of impact right now with both Martinez and Bradbury being two of the best players on this defense and on this entire football team, and then Kyler Fackrell being one of the 10 most important players on this team right now. I know he's not flashy. I know he's not the best one-on-one pass rush rep winner, but for this specific system, he plays so many roles, and he wears so many hats, and he's ultimately such an important player, someone they really, like injury-wise, they can't really afford to lose a guy like Fackrell, as crazy as that sounds, and so when you factor him in as well to this free agent class, it's really, that's one of the brightest spots about this roster right now, and you see it on film every week. Absolutely, and especially when you add Logan Ryan into the equation, it's absolutely insane. If this, I mean, this team is one and six. Like, like it's not, you know, hmm. trying to put lipstick on a pig right yeah. now. But, and as as many warts as Dave Gettleman has, when you look at Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, Logan Ryan specifically, those are three of the top five players on this team. That's not necessarily a way you want to build the team, but hmm. it is a way to say, okay, that was a pretty good free agent class. Yeah. But before we continue, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts plus indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each month indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over three million businesses Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. All one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. All one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's a BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, and it's a way to say, listen, this team, because remember, this team is 1-6, of course, but they're not Jets bad. They're really not. They're Jets are, the Jets are uncompetitive in every single game they play, except for this last one where they somehow hung around with the Bills team that settled for like six field goals and, and just totally screwed that game up. And yes, you can, as you can tell, I'm a little bit bitter because I had Bills minus 10 in that game. Um, and I had Josh Allen as my fantasy QB in one league. But the point is, they're competitive in most games, and they would be wholly uncompetitive right now without Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, Logan Ryan, and Kyler Fackrell. I can guarantee you this would be a completely uncompetitive team that has Jets-like losses without these guys. And so you're giving this guy, Patrick Graham, something to work with. And I think he's done a really good job at times utilizing his talent. And you see that week in and week out where they're really... Ultimately, yes, they've had some drives where they let up big plays and big scores at the end of halves and the end of games. But that is also a product of, again, a team that really hasn't invested too much draft capital into the defense over the last three years. And so ultimately, you reap what you sow on that side of the ball. So ultimately, I do think that there were more positives than negatives. I know we just went over ways where kind of Peterson found a way to attack Patrick Graham in this game. But I do think overall, they did an excellent job of adjusting and they did an excellent job of giving the Giants a chance to win this football game. They did. They did. And I think next week is going to be interesting to see how they Ooh, it's adjust gonna be rough. again. And this is going to be in a really tough <laughs> it's matchup. It's not a good matchup, boys. Boys and girls. No, no, not Tom at all. Brady is coming into his own in that Bruce Arians vertic- vertically attacking offense. He hit his stride last week, in my opinion, and the week before. It is going to be rough stuff. Throughout my notes in this game, too, there, there are so many throughout my notes. I look down and I see just spacing, spacing concepts. Yep. And that's how the Eagles were able to move the ball. And you know Tom Brady with his timing and his rhythm and with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Ronald Jones, even Rob Gronkowski. They're going to be just occupying that short to intermediate parts of the field to just set up those deep bombs. And they're going to run two vertical routes to one side. They're going to really take advantage of the Giants' defense if they just keep kind of trotting out the same kind of defense that they're going to do. They're going to need to adjust, and I honestly don't think they're good enough to cover these guys in man coverage. So it's going to be good enough to cover them in man coverage, so they're going to have to continue with, I think, what you're saying. And I think that they haven't been really tested very much so vertically yet, and that's going to happen this game because that's what the Bruce Aarons offense is. Absolutely. It's absolutely that, and they're going to do that with – Two vertical routes to the same side. Yeah. Two by two sets, just like we saw on this on that big play to John Hightower, man. That was a like again, not to just sit here and applaud Doug Peterson, but I think it's deserved. I think they had a pretty good game plan, and I still think, even though they had a good game plan, Patrick Graham and this defense came up big in several spots for several three and outs, which is what you ask for. You put your offense back on the field, and the offense was solid in this game, but just not good enough. Now, granted, Evan Ingram holds on to a football, and it's a different story, but obviously that did not happen. Yeah, no doubt about it. I want to talk about some other things on the defensive side of the ball that stood out to you, either good or bad, before we kind of talk a more 30,000-foot view of the situation on this defense, because there are some things to say. I want to talk into... I want to talk before that on your thoughts about how the Giants tried to replace the absence of Tay Crowder, a guy who we were really excited for, was really coming into his own as potentially, you know, nice find for them and then got injured. I think what we ended up seeing was a little bit more Devontae Downs, who after an atrocious first drive, really bounced back and had, for him, his best game. I'd say so, yeah. But 
And what other ways do you think the Giants can kind of move forward given their depth at the inside line, their lack of depth, I should say, at the inside linebacker position? I think what the Giants' defense is doing is somewhat fascinating just in the sense of you don't really have any proven edge rushers outside of Kyler Fackel right now that you got rid of Marcus Golden, who played 27 snaps in this game. And he's not really a proven edge rusher in my mind. No, I think he's a good part of this defense. I think he's a disciplined player. He's a solid run. Yes, yes. But now you have Carter Coughlin who barely sees the field. Cam Brown, who's seeing the field more and more. You have Trent Harris, who got to see the field in this game. So you have a bunch of guys who are either raw or have been here for about a cup of coffee. And what have the Giants been doing? They've been playing Leonard Williams at the edge. They've been lining Devontae Downs and Blake Martinez even a little bit at the edge position. They've been doing a lot of random things that try to compensate for the fact that they don't have any proven edge rushers. And this leads to Jabril Peppers dropping in the box sometimes, but Devontae Downs, who was in the box 45 times in this game. He played 45 snaps, and on that first drive, you saw Jabril Peppers visibly yelling at Devontae Downs for not picking up his assignment because Jabril Peppers switched, communicated it to him. You see him on the film. Devontae Downs didn't execute the assignment. They both go and cover the running back, which leaves the, the middle hook zone wide open. Jabril Peppers kind of tore into him. But outside of that play, and there was another play, I think, that I was just rolling my eyes about Devontae Downs, he had, I would say, like three or four reps where I was like, wow, okay. He had a couple fills that were really, really aggressive where he just nailed the running back in the hole. And I thought, okay, Devontae Downs, I guess maybe he can play in the box somewhat. You just yeah. can't stretch him laterally because he doesn't really have the athletic ability to really do a good job in, in those kind of with, with those kind of assignments. But I, I think this is what we're going to see. Because I don't think T.J. Brunson's ready to step up to the big leagues. I don't think there are any other linebackers you can sign as of right now. No, no shot on that, bro. So unless they go with the the smaller lineup, where if Adrian Colbert gets healthy, they can bring him back and use Jabril Peppers more in a box role, then I think we're stuck with maybe seeing a little bit more of Devontae Downs than we really want to see. But it's possible they also kind of mix in more of David Mayo. I think he got nine snaps in this game, and it depends if kind of he rounds into form, maybe starts to get more snaps. He seemed very slow to me, though. Oh, he always seems very slow to me. Last year— I've never been a David Mayo guy. I I know. Last year he does not—like, this year he seems a lot slower. And he's overcoming an injury, so I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he looks slower than Downs out there right now. He does look slower than Downs out there. Um, so ultimately, I guess you would want to say then that you'd rather have Downs on the field. Sure, I can I can totally get behind that. I mean, this is a team that pretty typically uses a lot of players on the field for the defense more than most teams. They have twenty guys saw defensive snaps in this game, for example, um, which is a lot. I think for some defenses don't have this kind of. There were seventy two snaps though. Sure, I guess there's yeah. a lot of snaps, so you had to kind of rotate guys in um, into the game, or even more. Were there eighty one snaps in this game? I believe it was 72. Okay. But, uh, I mean, maybe there were, like, maybe that's not accounting for the, the penalties and things of that mm-hmm. nature. But, it, like, you look at some of these guys, man. Like, Madre Harper's playing 24 snaps. Nate Ebner's playing you 12 snaps. You can't have those guys on the field. Corey Ballantyne's playing 17. These guys, are they're straight liabilities. You can't have them out there. And every time they're out there, what's Carson Wentz doing? Looking right at them and targeting them. They know to, yep. to not target some of these more competent players. And then you have situation like the flip side of it, which is where you have a guy who consistently puts good stuff on film and can't break three for free for more than 25 snaps, and that's a guy like B.J. Hill. And you wonder, how the hell did this guy build this roster out? How did he expect to build a winning roster three years into his regime when he's going to do something like this? I mean, this guy said, I look at those that Eagles team that made that playoff run, and I saw they had a really good defensive line rotation. Well, first of all— It's not a good Boston accent. 
It's not a good Boston accent. I don't care. First of all, <laughs> first of all, they had edge guys. This was a 4-3 defense he was talking about with legit edge guys. I hate when people are like, oh, but the 49ers did it. No, the 49ers have Nick Bosa. The Giants don't have anyone who's anywhere close to a Nick Bosa on this team. They don't have any edge guys. They're all interior linemen. So, I mean, the rotation, it's just... And I want to talk a little bit about that because the only consistency on this defense outside of what Martinez and Bradbury give you on a weekly basis is what you get from this interior defensive line. Now, ultimately... It gets you to the point of being somewhat competitive for most early downs. And in addition, they've done okay on on some third down situations. Like you said, there were some really key three and outs in this game, some really key three and outs against the Washington football team um, to give them a fighting chance. But in the end, you see some of the limitations in those those fourth quarter drives and those end of half two-minute drill drives of building your team out through the interior defensive line, in my opinion, when teams just seem to go down the field and score because they don't have the coverage or the pass rushers to kind of deal with it. Um, So ultimately, moving forward, the Giants are going to be in a bit of a conundrum this game because we can go into it, but I mean, every one of these guys looks good on film from Leonard Williams, who gets, like you said, is starting to be lined up in weird spots, like even on the edge, to Dalvin Tomlinson, who in my opinion is the best defensive player on this roster on the interior defensive line, to Dexter Lawrence, who you just love to see. The guy just moves so well for his size and is just awesome on the alternate two. And then in my mind, to B.J. Hill. I really like what I see from B.J. Hill every time he gets an opportunity. He doesn't get many, but when he does, he plays his butt off and he can rush the passer, which you don't really... I mean, these guys can rush the passer, but I think he's kind of the best in that regard. He shoots... I know he's used in a little bit of a different way when he's on the field since he's only playing 25 snaps, and so he's kind of in a more specific role. But ultimately, as you move forward and as we talk about this roster moving forward, we look at a team like the Giants who have a quarterback on a rookie contract and have a ton of cap flexibility versus most teams in the NFL. And as we look forward, going into this offseason, the Giants have Dexter Lawrence under contract for a long time because he was a first-round pick last year. They have B.J. Hill still under contract next season. That's two interior defensive linemen. I don't know how many you need, but that's two. And then they have two big-time free agents in Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams. At this current rate, week eight through the season. I'm curious what your take is on how they should play that situation out with both of those guys set to hit free agency. And they're both young, too. Oh, yeah. Neither of them are 26 yet. That's insane to think about, right? Now, I think you you franchise tag one of them. Now, it's probably going to be Dalvin Tomlinson. And I think you attempt to sign the other one and you, you see if you can reach some sort of common ground with them and if it's unreasonable if it's that Aaron Donald type money which we've heard Leonard Williams put out there I think you have to let him walk interesting okay I think I have a little bit of a different but close to the same evaluation of what I would do for starters I would only sign one of them why would I do that well I'll get into that in a second but first let me talk about who I would sign that I'm not sold on I think Leonard Williams offers you different kind of opportunity. We you talked about this with me the best. I mean, we talk about this off the show, but Leonard Williams, like like we've talked about, is being lined up in different spots, and that length that he has gives a coordinator like Patrick Graham, who's such a diverse, you know, who just has so, does so many diverse and different things on his defense, a lot more flexibility than a guy like Dalvin Thompson. Having said that, right now. Dalvin Tomlinson is the more consistent player on tape. I think he's the better player. I think he flashes more. And I think he's just an absolute stud on the interior in the run game. I don't know how much value I predict, I give that. But I also ultimately don't think that Leonard Williams is that valuable in the pass game, if I'm being completely honest. I like his length. 
and I think that helps them more in the run game more than anything else. But I'm just not willing to, even if one was franchise tagged and the other was signed to a long-term deal, because again, Leonard Williams will want and get what he's asking for. That's how NFL free agency works. I mean, he might get Devion Clownied, potentially, but he'll probably settle into a range just slightly under that, which is still a lot of money. And ultimately, for me, what it comes down to is this. I need this Giants roster. Hopefully, I mean, I will just lose my mind if it's Dave Gettleman again, but hopefully with a new GM, I need this Giants roster to start moving in a different direction. I am done with the days of pounding assets into the interior defensive line. All it gets you is a team that's pretty tough and physical in the trenches, especially against a run, good on early downs, and that doesn't get killed in the run game, but ultimately, it's not enough to win football games consistently in my mind. So with a guy like BJ Hill essentially riding the pine right now, he gets 20 snaps a game, I think ultimately he can be used in a much bigger role next season with a rotation of BJ Hill plus Dexter Lawrence plus maybe you resign a guy like Austin Johnson. Again, remember these the interior defensive linemen are so easy to find across the NFL. Remember the dude the Giants had a couple years ago, Mario Edwards? Guess what? He's putting some good snaps on film this year for the Saints. No one talks about that. These guys in rotate, you can find a lot of these interior defensive linemen to play in a rotation and they're just consistently successful in limited roles and they're only playing 20 snaps a game. So ultimately, I want to take that money that they would assign to both of those players. And again, I still want to assign one of them because they're just too good to let both hit. But ultimately, I want to take that money and I want to put it into an Allen Robinson who's about to hit the free agent market, probably the most underrated receiver in the NFL due to the quarterback play he's had. I would love to see what Daniel Jones could do with Allen Robinson. I really, truly would. Or you know who else I could see in that role? There's plenty of players who I can see in that role. Nick, I would love to see Demario Davis in that role. I'd love to put another linebacker on the field over putting another interior defensive lineman into this payroll. Because guess what? Ultimately, they have the depth at interior defensive line, and it's the easiest position to find. So I'm really just so far against the idea of pouring more money into this. And it's not just a guy like Demario Davis. There are plenty of guys who intrigue me on this free agent market. Matt Milano, a guy who's injured right now, but a guy who no one talks about, is a really good inside backer for the Bills. Kenny Galladay. I think the Lions are too cheap to re-sign a Kelly, Kenny Galladay. I've even heard that there's been rumors they've been shopping him at the deadline right now, and he may be moved at the deadline. He's another free agent who I would consider signing. Ultimately, I may even consider him, based on age, signing him over, even though he's only uh, one year old, younger. I would ultimately consider signing him over an Allen Robinson, even though I love Allen Robinson, so it would be tough there. But either one of those, I'd be more than happy with if the broncos can't come to terms with justin simmons maybe you consider him if you don't if you kind of think you can run a three safety look or kind of use peppers more in the box i don't know get creative there you know there's even guys who are on this market who intrigue me like shaq barrett you know i'd pour money into shaq barrett before i'd pour double interior defensive line so for me ultimately it comes down to one thing and one thing only the giants need to start pouring more assets into positions that make a bigger difference as in one-on-one pass rush winners or coverage guys in the back end or a center you know things that can ultimately do more towards winning and ultimately a position that is not as as you know is the what's the opposite of scarce not as uh abundant abundant across the nfl as interior defensive line is yeah I, I don't disagree with you. It all comes down to price for me. It all comes down to what you can get. It all comes down to what's on the market, and that's why you kind of weigh it out. I think yeah. the franchise tag should be applied to one of these two players. I look at Logan Ryan. Possibly he's somebody you could franchise tag. Maybe you can give him a one- or two-year deal depending on what exactly he wants. It depends on what these guys want. Now, both these guys are 26 years old. They're both good. I think they're both integral parts of what Patrick Graham wants to do 
on the defensive side of the football with the rotation, with the skill sets, with the versatility of Leonard Williams, with the two-gapping ability of someone like Dalvin Tomlinson. It really all comes down to, though, what's on the market and how much these guys really want. Now, I think Dalvin will be maybe, I think he'll be receptive to a franchise tag. You're getting paid a lot of money to play one year. Yes, there's not that long-term security, but somebody like that who's put significant good tape out there, somebody who seems to like to be in New York. Now, these are interior defense linemen. Dalvin Thomason, let's be honest, doesn't have as much pass rushing upside as some of the other defensive linemen in the league. I don't see a lot of players running out and just throwing money at him, so he'd probably be more receptive to the franchise tag, whereas Leonard Williams, he might get scooped up. And I'm not willing to overpay for someone like Leonard Williams, but if the deal is there for him and it's reasonable, I would be fine with retaining both. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. Um, ultimately, I'm, I'm probably leaning more towards against it no matter what just because of the money. I mean, you could just – just because of what else you could get. But it, like you said, if the free agent market doesn't work out, and ultimately a lot of the time – this is why free agency yeah. sucks. It's that most teams resign these guys or tag them themselves. The Bears could easily tag Allen Robinson. I – I wouldn't see why they wouldn't. Um, the Lions could easily not be cheap and re-sign a Kenny Galladay. So, which they probably should if we're going to be real. Yeah, but I mean, a little they shouldn't let these type of guys hit the free agent market. A little side note on Leonard Williams too. Like right now, as we talk, he's tied for seventh in the league in pressures. So, like I, I feel like against among interior defensive linemen. Yes, yeah, so among interior defensive linemen, that's a big dis- uh, distinction right there. But I, I do feel like, and I, when we watch these games, he he gets in there, man, and he he wrecks some plays, and he's. He can be a terror. Now, yeah. he doesn't get as many sacks as we'd like. According to PFF, he has three, but a lot of those are half sacks. PFF doesn't really do half sacks, which is kind of annoying, to be honest. But <laughs> when I look at someone like Leonard Williams, he's somebody that I love to have on the New York Giants. It's got to be on, It's got to be at the right price, though. No, ultimately, I agree with you. I'd love to I'd love to have both these guys on the team. They're good both players. Good yeah. And I could easily, easily be convinced off. I'm nowhere near sold on either Dalvin or Leonard. I have no clue where I want to go. Mm-hmm. I just think, ultimately, I would choose one get B.J. Hill more reps, maybe re-sign an Austin Johnson, or just find the million of interior defensive linemen you can find across the NFL at a cost of nothing, and then use that extra cap money to kind of get an Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay in here, because then you don't have to go out and you have to don't have to draft a receiver. You can use all those picks to build out where you really want to build out. Oh, that's completely fair. But that brings another question, is the third defensive player that we've mentioned a couple times, and that's Logan Ryan, yeah. who I feel like is a very, very big part of this defense. When you watch the film, when you yeah. watch the All-22, he's always communicating. He's like the captain out there in the secondary, setting the, the specific coverages and always communicating with the rest of the defense. I think he's a, he was such an underrated signing because it didn't happen in March. It happened much, much later, but I think it was a huge move by the New York Giants and he's 30 years old so he's getting a little bit long in the tooth but he's definitely somebody I kind of want to be on the New York Giants next year when this team hopefully can be a little bit better I completely agree with you Nick and I think that the Big Blue Bander podcast will be pretty much alone in this as it comes to this offseason when we roll through because I've already seen this play out with Giants Twitter with Giants fans with ultimately you know People, NFL analysts across Twitter who are just against the idea of signing anyone 30 or older if your team is quote-unquote rebuilding or not ready to win, quote-unquote, I do not subscribe to that line of thinking. I never have. I never will. It's why I was fine with the Golden Tate signing at the time, knowing that that cap would never come back to haunt them, and it hasn't because the Giants weren't going to Giants are well under the cap. It's not like, I mean, he's not working out this year, obviously, but who cares? That cap means nothing. At least you took a swing at a position where they needed some talent. It was a bad swing. It didn't work out. It was a bad evaluation, ultimately. And to some extent, I mean, listen, Tate made a really good play in this Eagles game. That catch is not an easy catch. And 
and to have the balance to stay up and turn that into a touchdown is is pretty solid too but ultimately he's not what they expected him to be I get it he's getting older but like you said Logan Ryan is essentially the captain of this defense and helps the communication so much on the back end and does so many different things for this defense that makes him such a good fit for what Patrick Graham is all about that I'm with you I don't care that he's 30 years old. I would want to sign him to a two or three year deal to keep him and help him bring along guys like Xavier McKinney, who's going to need a lot of help after missing three months of his rookie season, and to bring along whoever else they get at corner, because I can guarantee you they're not going to roll into next season with Ryan Lewis as their number two corner. That's obvious. So ultimately, I'm with you. I think Logan Ryan's a low-key excellent defender on this team and a low-key somewhat priority guy to re-sign this offseason. Absolutely, and we've already hashed that out. Dude, there's one play I want to highlight for Dexter Lawrence for the people who do watch Game Pass and follow along. 51 seconds left in the game. I know, it's depressing to go back and look at this, but Dexter Lawrence takes the offensive lineman with one arm and just holds him off to make the play on Corey Clement. And these are the kind of plays, man, that I just love to see from these interior defensive linemen. And both Dexter and Dalvin makes plays like this all the time. Dalvin Tomlinson, I put it on Twitter. There's like three plays I put on Twitter where it's incredible. One play, he throws an offensive tackle basically across the line of scrimmage the other one he like jumps like incredibly like I did not realize this guy had a broad jump that far and he, he makes a tackle at the line of scrimmage for no gain and in another one he's just excellent at the point of attack but on this specific play with 51 seconds left in the game Dexter Lawrence if you look at his lower body flexibility and what he's able to do when he gets his hips lower than the offensive lineman his knees are bending you can just see the natural flexibility the natural strength at the point of attack the raw power to just shed the guard I believe it is number 67 and just make the tackle at the line of scrimmage I mean there's a there's a lot of positive things to look at when you when you view Dexter Lawrence I feel like he's been playing through an injury all year at least that's what it seems like um, from what Joe Judge says and things like that but he flashes with plays like this there's like one or two every game and it's He's a damn good athlete for somebody who's like 340-something pounds. He's an unreal athlete for his size, and his lateral agility for his size is unbelievable. He's an excellent prospect for the Giants long-term for sure, so I completely agree with the air, and he's even more so the reason why I'm okay moving on from one of the two, whether it be Leonard or Dalvin this, this offseason. Yeah, and I think that's a very fair point to make, especially with B.J. Hill riding pine. Ideally, in my yes. world, I want to keep them both, but this is the NFL. It's a business, and you only have yeah. a certain amount of money you can allocate towards, especially one specific position. Sure. Yeah. Ultimately, that's kind of where I'm at, too, as well. All right, Nick, anything else to touch on on the defense? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Jabril Peppers was somebody else incredibly physical in the run game. It's the same stuff we kind of say every week with him. I mean, he always he's consistent in the run game. He's he's always making incredible plays. I think he's excellent as that flat defender. And I know I said that last week as well. I think Kyler Fackrell, somebody who's just perfect for this system, I'm, and we just keep seeing kind of a lot of similar things. The one thing that was different this week. I guess with this defense was Devontae Downs in some of the plays, none more so than the first and 10 with 36 seconds left in the first quarter where he absolutely steamrolls whatever running back was in pass protection for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it was Corey Clement, and he forces a uh, he forces a, the, an errant throw from Carson Wentz. <laughs> you kind of like seeing that from Downs. You, you hope he can build off of that. I don't have a lot of faith in that. I'm sure you don't as well which is very, very unfortunate, but it's the same players that kind of step up. The problem with this defense is when you get these second-rate players on the field. 
And then there's huge liabilities. Corey Ballantyne, Madre Harper, Nate, Nate Emner, all those kind of players. When they get out there, it's terrible. Because even with Ryan Lewis out there, who I feel like he's a solid, he's an adequate starter, I guess you could say. He's adequate. He's probably not solid, so he's a step below that. But you can you can win with him out there. And I felt like the scheme, like we said, that Doug Peterson used was a, was a big reason why he was baited into a, a disadvantageous position on that John Hightower pass. I think you can have success with someone like him starting out there, though. But it's those other players, man. If you're if you're running, I I would agree with that. If you're running kind of what what Graham's running a lot of, which is zone. I don't. I think if they were man heavy, which I do think that ultimately Graham is hoping he can start to work in man stuff. Not with this roster, you're not going to be able to with no, guys no, like not with this roster. There, no. But ultimately, because I kind of agree with what you just said, he's okay when in the, in the zone heavy scheme. But in, if you want to do any man, I don't trust Ryan Lewis out there. That's why ultimately I'm not kind of high on Ryan Lewis in general. Yeah, I don't think he's a long-term fixture yeah. here. But as for the current scheme, the lot of the zone heavy, yep. I feel like he does a solid job executing his assignments there. It's just, I mean, there's been two games now where teams kind of exploiting those vulnerabilities, and I think teams are going to continue to attack the Giants. And I think Patrick Graham's going to have to adjust, which makes it uh, interesting in the next coming weeks. No doubt about it. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. As always, the only favor we'll ever ask from you is to rate, review, and subscribe to the Big Blue Banter podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. That's all we'll ever ask. Tell your friends about the pod. And follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter, where our boy Sean is really just grinding and doing awesome work for us. And he's the man. So, Sean... I hope you're listening. I know you always are. So give us a shout out. We want to catch up with you, by the way. It's been super busy on our end. But thanks again to all you and the listeners that have made this show what it is. We will continue to drive forward and hopefully better days are ahead for this football team. We want it. You want it. It will come. Don't worry. Just be patient. And for the rest of you, uh, have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.